Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. It's time for your favorite show. The Weekend Report is on the radio. Thank you, Perry Woods. And yes, indeed, The Weekend Report is on your radio. Thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Tony Colombo here in studio with producer Frank Ladd, who's finally back. And, of course, my partner Chris Arps is practicing proper social distancing at his home in the Arps compound. And, Chris, you've been asking. Frank's back. Frank, I missed you. (laughs) No, you didn't. Carl is an ego deflator. No, he's not. He just reads a lot. (laughs) He's an ego deflator. He's an ego deflator. Last week on the air. You're a little more subtle when you deflate my ego. Carl's more straight out. Last week on the air, Chris asked, when does Frank come back? Oh, well, that's nice of you, except you're doing it out of animus, not really (laughs) happiness. So Frank is back, at least for now. He's got a crazy schedule, so I'm sure Carl will be back soon. Yeah, it's, Carl. Uh, I think Carl's back next week. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Sorry. But uh, we've got a great show for you today. We are going to play a uh, new edition of the Weird News Challenge with our buddy Skip Weber. And in the next hour, we've got uh, lots and lots of uh, stories to get to today as well. And we're going to talk to uh, our, our our friend Dr. Randy Tobler, who, of course, uh, the Randy Tobler show was a little bit earlier this morning here on 97.1 FM Talk. Uh, but Doc, not only, of course, uh, a, a radio host, but runs a, a hospital in northern Missouri and um, being the head of that entire medical facility up there, that whole uh, organization, um, he is uh, smarter than most when it comes to knowing the exact timeline or the exact discussions that are happening with coronavirus and the vaccine timeline and, you know, everything else happening with that virus. So we're going to get a a good, solid coronavirus vaccine and just kind of an update on the vaccine. And we're going to get an update on where we're at um you know, with that virus and, and at this point uh, and how it's affecting people. I also want to talk to him about um, about kids in schools and coronavirus and get his opinions on that. So that's going to be a good discussion. And uh, as I mentioned, plenty more to talk about this week. Um, we're going to keep this first segment a little bit short so we can give a little extra time to the doc. But um, I wanted to start the show. Yesterday, of course, was 9-11. 
Um, I think it's important that we recognize 9-11 every year when it happens. And, of course, on the big anniversaries, like I'm sure next year on the 20th anniversary, we're going to see a, a whole lot. And all of that is, is very deserved. Um, uh, I don't want to spend you know the whole show talking about 9-11, but I do want to want to talk about it here at the beginning of the show. Uh, Chris, do you have any um, uh, do you have any memories or thoughts of uh, uh, of of 9-11 that you can share with us? I do. First of all, I would admonish everyone to visit the 9-11 memorials if you can. Yes. Uh, yes. Becky and I, about seven or eight years ago, Becky is originally from Pennsylvania. And so we drove there to attend uh, one of her class reunions. And so we stopped in Shanksville and visited the uh, Flight 93 Memorial. And I'm telling you, you talk about a solemn place. It's literally in the middle of nowhere where that plane crashed. But you can't walk away from that memorial without, you know, feeling a sense of patriotism, but a, 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 a sense of true sadness of what happened to those folks. A lot of them cut down in the, in the prime of their life. I also had a chance uh, to go to New York City when they were just building uh, the Freedom Tower and yes. rebuilding that. Yes. So I've had a chance I, to visit I did too. memorials. And since that time, 20 years ago, you know, this country was together for that short period. But you just see how far our country has come apart in those 20 years. And that saddens me as well, Tony. I want to say it was 2012. It was the year that Hurricane Sandy hit New York. Uh, my wife and I had always wanted to go see Manhattan, go see New York, and we made um, – we scheduled a, a, a little trip to we, – we stayed in a, a hotel in uh, Times Square, and we were in New York for three days, and it was shortly – it was, it was Christmas in New York. It was like the week before Christmas. Um, Hurricane Sandy had hit that year, so I think that was 2012 – um, it was so, you know, there was still a lot of damage from the hurricane, which was a couple months before we got there. Um, but we had a chance to go to the 9-11 museum back then, which was being built. So they, they had the, uh, the big fountains already there in place. They were building the new tower. They were almost complete that, that new, the, the new, uh, world trade center, that new tower there, um, was almost complete, and they were um, uh, also finishing up the museum. So we got a chance to see a lot of the stuff, but we didn't get a chance to go into the museum. But it was still, even then, before the museum opened up, uh, it was such a, a touching, uh, moving part of my life, and I'm so glad we did it, and I recommend that everybody go do it. We want to go back and, and see it now that it's all finished up. But um, I definitely echo that statement that everybody should go and check that out and 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 remember, you, you know, it's I don't want to bring politics into a 9-11 discussion, but, you know, we were all united after that. And in fact, wearing New York Police Department or New York Fire Department uh, hats and shirts were, you know, were something that was cool and was everybody was doing and sort of rallying behind the first responders. And now we, you know, are in a place where. You, you you know you 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 you, you well I I don't like I said I don't want to get too po- political about it but you can't you know you, you can't wear police shirts anymore at least and not like you could back then. And I tell you, sad. Tony, one of the I have three really images from nine eleven. I was working at the St. Louis County Board of Elections then, and three thoughts that I have that I'll never forget is one after St. Louis County closed, all of us said 
the Lord's Prayer, and mm-hmm. which was kind of unusual. You know, this is a government building, but because of what happened, we kind of threw all that out of the, out the window, and we all said the Lord's Prayer. The second thought that I that comes to mind is when I was driving home on 170 past the airport and seeing no airplanes um, oh. flying overhead. I lived at the time. I still lived in my my first apartment. And yep. which was right by the airport. In fact, um, in the apartment complex, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, pilots and flight attendants and people that worked at the airport lived in this apartment complex because it was so close to the airport. So the sound of airplanes when mm-hmm. when I lived there was just a, a part of life. All, you know, twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, and it didn't bother you because you were so used to yeah. it. But when the sound was gone, yeah. that was eerie. And and um and and really impactful. And probably the third thought was when I was driving home, just seeing all of the lines at the gas stations, and gas was five dollars a gallon. Yes, and there was price gouging out the yes. yin yang. Yeah, but, but those are the three thoughts that just nine eleven that come to mind that I think mm-hmm. of. Frank, I'm sure you were. Uh... Working in St. Louis radio somewhere when all I was that on happened. the beach at the time, so no, I oh, wasn't. Oh wow! You know what? I was. I happened to have just. That's weird. You had that day off. I had that day off too. I had just put it in. Was, it was part of a longer set of days that right. I had off at the time. But yes, I had worked <laughs> a. Uh, I had worked a, a double shift on Monday, mm-hmm. the tenth, and so I because I did two uh, air shifts. This is when I was doing music radio. I did uh, two shifts in a row the day before, and so they gave me Tuesday off. So I was sleeping in. I got a call. Took the day off. I got a call from my mom who was who yeah. was working uh, working at the time. She called. She said, "Hey, turn on the TV." So literally, while yeah. I'm on, and this is after the the uh, first plane crash, and literally as I'm on the phone with her, we're watching. I'm watching it as the second plane goes in because they wow. they obviously had the. TV had the TV cameras tuned to the towers, and you see, you saw that second plane. It was like, holy, yeah. yeah. So yeah. it was one of those situations where, at that point, you just kind of just watch TV all day. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I left my room. I I did the same thing. I was glued because I had the day off, just because of just weird timing. I was glued to the television. I also was was got a phone call to tell me about it. It was from my dad, and. Um, and he called and he said that a plane just hit uh, the World Trade Center in New York and you might want to turn on the television. And I almost didn't. I almost thought, you know, I was because I was sleeping and I didn't want to get out of bed. And I almost didn't. And I and 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 because I did. the original thought was it was a small plane yeah. that had that had gone off course. And that has happened in New York before. So the yeah. I- initial thought is. Wow, what a, what a crazy accident! Yep, exactly, exactly. And and, and, and I tell you one thing, you know, I don't, I haven't experienced yet, you know, the loss of a parent, so I I don't know the profound sadness of that. But one thing that I just remember from nine eleven, especially at the end of the day and just absorbing the coverage, was just a profound sense of just sadness. Yes. Of yes. just what had happened, and it was just you could feel the pain, over, like a yeah. blanket over you. You could feel the pain of all this, of all these strangers that you didn't know, but you could still like just have this emotional reaction and and just feel what they were going through. Um, so uh, anyway, I, I I just wanted to start the show, uh, and, you know, discuss our nine eleven memories and and you know do our part to to sort of uh, remember and and like I said, I'm sure as we build towards the twentieth. 
uh, anniversary of that terrible tragedy. We, you know, next year we'll we'll do a lot more. So. Uh, we might touch on 9-11 as we go throughout the rest of the show. We've got lots of other headlines to talk about. And as I mentioned, we're going to talk to Dr. Randy Tobler when we get back. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Weekend Report on 97.1 FM Talk. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back to the Weekend Report, 97.1 FM Talk. Tony Colombo in studio with producer Frank Ladd and my partner Chris Arps is practicing proper social distancing connected through the marvel of modern technology at the Arps compound somewhere in the St. Louis metro area under 50 feet of concrete and steel and uh, pumping his arms up and down right now. Very happy about getting to be at home. <laughs> Chris, can you hear me? I had you. All right, there you go. I didn't know if... uh, (laughs) No, I was just watching you do your celebration. It's funny because we can see Chris, but Chris can't see us. We don't have a a, a webcam in the studio, so when we are connected on Skype doing this show every week, Frank and I can see Chris, but Chris can't see us. So it's like... It's called uh, white privilege, Tony. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. (laughs) I never thought of it that way, but if you say so... (laughs) White privilege. All right, good to know. Why don't you minimize the screen so we can eliminate our white privilege there, Frank. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, joining us now on the line, as I mentioned, putting in a little uh, overtime on a, a Saturday afternoon, fresh off the show from earlier this morning, our friend Dr. Randy Tobler joins us on the Weekend Report. Doc, great to talk with you. How are you, my friend? Hey, great to be with you. How you doing today? You bet. Uh, doing good. Doing good. Um, So, as I mentioned um, in the last segment, Doc, I wanted to get you on here today because I feel like we are about to enter a new phase with this coronavirus situation. We're getting we're closing in on um, a vaccine. We're about to see another change in the weather, a change in seasons. And, you know, there's been talk about how the weather can affect this um, this virus. So I, I, I wanted to get you on mostly just to kind of give us an update on where we are with this virus, where we are with this vaccine. And so if you could just kind of give us uh, your general thoughts and then I'll, we'll have some specific questions after that. But uh, uh, where are we at right now as far as the uh, the timeline, the process of this this whole coronavirus situation? Yeah, I think we're getting a more realistic approach to managing it. And I think that for the for the medium to potentially long term, Tony, this is going to be a management issue rather than a um, contain it and watch it go away issue. Uh, because even with a vaccine, given the numbers of people that say they won't take it um, and that most vaccines are considered and the one that they're the ones they're looking at 
um, it's been signaled are not going to be approved unless and all they're going to have to have is a 50 percent success rate. So you, you combine the people that won't take it with the fact that those who do take it, like the seasonal flu, are not going to have 100 percent protection. Um, you know, this is probably going to be around for a while. And so we're, we're going to have to learn to cope with it. And I think that um, communities and individual institutions and facilities within those communities and organizations and companies based on their business model and the local prevalence of the disease and the risk to their employees and their, and their, and their consumers, you know, their customers, all that's going to have to be somehow in some kind of very complex algorithm. Let's not trust Google or Microsoft or Apple with it, or let's keep it local, (laughs) (laughs) but some kind of a formula, which is going to be partially subjective and partially objective, have to figure out whether to be more or less restrictive with activities and masking. Um, because it's, it, it's really true that, for instance, kids will harbor the, the process, but rarely, rarely transmit it. Yeah. It's true, however, that teachers can get it from one another or from a child, rarely, and that they can be vulnerable. And so we're going to have to figure out in the school situation, based on local prevalence, for instance, in St. Louis, it's, it's been a relatively prevalent problem recently. In Missouri, we're, we're among the leaders of the pack. Currently, that's going to pass sooner or later. And trying to figure out when and how restrictive to be, I think, will, will be a concern that will continue to be a big political discussion. Oh, yeah. As far as the vaccine goes, you know, there's probably three of them now that are in the late phase trials one of which was suspended early this week because of extra cautious safety concerns. And it's really, I think, probably if people wanted a safe vaccine, it's probably ironically going to be safer with this rapid uh, track vaccine uh, process that we're looking at than, than the usual one because of the scrutiny on it politically and in this highly charged season we're in politically, an election season. Um, and, and so there was, they, they suspended the AstraZeneca trial on the University of Oxford vaccine earlier this week because of the report of one serious disease. Well, we don't know what it was that a coincidental thing. Was it due to the vaccine? Who knows? They're going to take a look at it and see. Right. But I think at best we're looking at a vaccine, uh, you know, late fall, early winter. And uh, like I say, that's not going to be immediately available to, you know, 300 million people. Right. So um, we're going to have to continue to manage this thing. And I think that's and and then pile on top of it, influenza. So I'm calling this the twindemic that we're going to be dealing with. Mm. Um, And uh, boy, the one bottom line message, Tony and Chris and anyone else who's listening, (laughs) get your flu vaccine early. And if you're elderly or if you're in a high risk group, get a booster later on in the winter. And you can get them already, can't you, Doc? They're all. I I can't. Yeah, I saw signs for the, uh, uh, you know, getting the the flu shot already. So it's 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 never too early uh, to do that. Chris, go ahead. I'm sure you got a question, Doctor Tober. I want to ask you a political medical question, if you don't mind. I know that obstetrics are the two is things a he does best. Cry from psychiatry <laughs> or geriatric medicine, but if you had a patient that was, and I can't imagine a seventy-year-old woman that was pregnant, but if you had a patient or knew someone that was suffering from some of the cognitive difficulties that Joe Biden has, and I don't want you to try to diagnose anything over the radio, of course, but would it would would it cause alarm to you some of the symptoms that that Joe Biden seems to be exhibiting? Mm. 
you mean just in terms of his performance and processing and cognitive abilities? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. From a medical I, standpoint, I think, is there is there something there to be concerned about? Well, yeah. I mean, look, I think it's the thing. It, there's no doubt that probably starting at age 50 ish, all of us, you can document in the large in a vast majority of the population, uh, you know, a, a, a decrease in, in memory capacity, processing speeds, you know, a number of cognitive tests. And the more elegant the test, the more sensitive they are to diagnosing things. And and I guess it the, the impact of that depends on the the task that the individual and the lifestyle and the position in life that they have, you know, carries and what that demands. If, if you're a 70 year old woman who is having some problem remembering things in the past or in the immediate past, or has a harder time solving a simple crossword puzzle than before, but can still manage and uh, deal with family matters and perhaps even, you know, keep a checkbook. I think that's fine. And, you know, have a conversation with your doctor and decide whether you need some further testing and whether it really is dementia that might be treated uh, and treatable with some of the medicines that can delay the progress. We don't have anything that cures, that cures it or reverses it, but it can delay the progression of it. But if you're talking about someone who has objective evidence of processing and memory and communication problems, um, that's, that is 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 supposed to be you know or may be or is a candidate for the, the 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 most challenging job in the world with the most responsible position in the world i would think that it would be wise to to come clean with that and and really have a formal diagnosis to figure out what's going on that's not going to happen of course because right. you know i've made it clear on the political side when i put on that hat that I think it's pretty clear to most people that, you know, Joe Biden is a shadow or a puppet president and that the real president will be Kamala Harris and the squad and people like her. All you got to do is go back and watch. Brian Kilmeade was playing some old clips of Joe Biden and earlier this week on his show and was pointing out just the difference in how sharp. I mean, you just look at the difference from Joe Biden, you know, even a decade ago, you know, yep. to what he, he is now. We're talking to Dr. Randy Tober. Doc, I wanted to get back to the uh, coronavirus. I had a question for you about um, what you think is the best way to stay safe. I, I was in Disney World. I took we, we, we took a vacation to Disney World a couple weeks ago, and, of course, there was, right. you know, we got some backlash from some, you know, some people were very happy for us that we went, and some people thought— how could you take your family on a trip like that? We drove in our own car. We weren't in an airplane, no airports. We didn't stay in any hotels on the way down. Um, and and I talked about how at Disney I felt extremely safe because they um, it, they're at like 20% capacity, so there's plenty of social distancing going on. Uh, the social distancing in lines and things like that is, ext- is really enforced. You have to wear a mask everywhere on property, very enforced. And there's hand sanitizer everywhere. I felt we, I felt completely safe. And I've always said that my opinion is masks, social distancing, hand sanit, keeping your hands clean. That's the best way to keep yourself and others safe. Not closing schools and shutting down businesses. But that I'm not a doctor. You're a doctor. No, you're what? What? You're, what you're what absolutely do you think? right. Look, I think the the amount of social hygiene and. Um, and uh, rigor that we have with that social hygiene is directly proportional to the risk of the people involved in whatever interaction is being undertaken, right? And really importantly, the prevalence of the disease. And probably the most accurate way, if people are going to go somewhere 
or if grandma and grandpa haven't seen anyone for six months, this happened with my mom and dad and my in-laws. We've had these discussions. It's like, we're going crazy. We, we need a hug. We haven't seen anyone. What are we going to do? You know? And well, I want to know what the local prevalence and the best way that I think we can measure that is with the positivity rate. What is the positivity rate? The, the seven day rolling average is what most communities can report. What is that rate in the local community in which your parents or the, the, the vulnerable people you're, you're going to be around? Um, what is that rate? And if it's a low rate, some people say 3%, 5%, but if it's below one of those two numbers, but if it's in the low single digit, I, I think the, the risk of anyone that you're being around uh, or that is around you uh, or that you, if you live in a low-risk community, are carrying it and can asymptomatically transmit it or vice versa, that's it, very, very low. And so you probably can be a little, you can let your guard down a little bit more in that situation. On the other hand, if it's a low-risk situation in a relatively high prevalence uh, community you know you may want to change that up look we know that asymptomatic people are transmitting this primarily it's not sick people because everyone's gotten the message now if you're sick in any way stay away from folks unless you're a numbskull right Mm -hmm. but but if you're but if you're feeling well and you're 30 years old and you know you're in a place where the positivity rate is is 10 12 13 percent you may be, you certainly, if grandma and grandpa, if mom and dad need to see you or you need to go visit someone who's in a risk category, maybe they're younger and they have risk factors, it would be prudent for you to wear, an, uh, to wear a mask and for, if they can get one, to have that person you're visiting who may be vulnerable to wear an N95 mask. I don't think we should ever say don't be involved in a social interaction or ever say always be involved in a social interaction. You have to calibrate it. You just have to be common sense. Your analysis was spot on. I'm glad you enjoyed Disneyland. Mm-hmm. I'm glad everyone was was uh, was wearing a mask. Good Doc, plan. Yeah, thanks, Doc. We're talking to Dr. Randy Tobler. Only got a few minutes left. Let's try to rapid fire a few last questions here. Go ahead, Chris. Dr. Tobler, last time we talked to you, Medicaid expansion was uh, in the news. Um, it passed in August. Congratulations. Give us the cliff notes on why, again, this is good for Missouri. Well, I think it'll be good for Missouri, uh, especially people in outstate Missouri uh, that that live near hospitals that are vulnerable and would be going at a rate of about 30 to 50 percent, uh, would be going under or would be skinny down to nothing more than Band-Aid stations without some support because the amount of uncompensated care in those communities is is astronomical. So for, for large geographic areas of Missouri, it's a great thing because it's going to make sustainable. It's going to make hospitals sustainable. There's a lot of uh, things that need to be done to implement it, and if it's not done right, it's going to be a disaster. And I've been on record from the beginning on that. Doc, you mentioned that people will. Uh, there's a lot of people that have said that they are not going to take a coronavirus vaccine, at least not initially. The first, uh, the first round of them. And, you know, availability is going to be something. So all of those things, you know, it's not it's not like a, a vaccine gets introduced and, oh, we're all cured. and Nobody has to worry about it. Um, what do you think of that uh, mentality of, oh, I don't know, I, I'm not going to take that first one. I don't know if it's been tested enough. Um, how safe is it to, to be the first in line to take a, a, a vaccine for something like coronavirus? Well, I truly believe that, look, every vaccine, every vaccine has some low, low risk with it. But on the other hand, the risk-benefit ratio is such that the benefits far outweigh the risks. And I'm confident, I talked with Dr. Ken Remy, who's an international expert on this 
disease has been doing a lot. He's a council member out at uh, out at in in Wildwood. Just talked to him yesterday, and he's confident. And he, I said, would you be the first one to to get this vaccine? He said, absolutely so. And he because he's aware of all the safety that goes into these. He's a researcher and he's a, a pediatric and adult intensivist as well at WashU. Great, great guy. And and I'm telling you, I, I really feel as though if there ever was a time to be exposed to a safe vaccine, this one will have been vetted very, very well before it's unleashed. Look, the bureaucrats are not going to let Donald Trump or anyone else in the administration push this through um, uh, negligently and recklessly. Not going to happen. We are out of time with Dr. Randy Tober, but always great information. Doc, thanks so much for putting in a little overtime on a Saturday afternoon. Of course, you can hear the Randy Tober show every Saturday at 6 a.m. right here on 97.1 FM Talk. And, uh, Doc, we appreciate your time today. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you soon. Always enjoy being with you. Thanks a lot. You bet. All right. We have got to take another quick break, but we'll be right back. Lots more to talk about Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Weekend Report on 97.1 FM Talk. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. to the Weekend Report, 97.1 FM Talk. Tony Colombo in studio with Frank Ladd and my partner Chris Arps is connected there at the Arps Compound. Great stuff from Dr. Randy Tobler in that last segment. Good long interview there with him. Always great info uh, from Doc. He can uh, analyze things from the medical side with uh, knowledge and experience better than uh, almost anyone and also has, of course, the great mind for politics as well. So a uh, great conversation with him. I, if you, I'll tell you what, though, Tony, that uh-huh. statement he made about Medicaid expansion scares me to death when he said if it's not done right, it'll be a disaster. I know. When has the government ever done a major big program that spends right. money right? Right. I know you wanted – I know I, if we would have had more time, I know you had more for him on that, on that regard because he's one of the few um, – he's one of the few conservatives – that was uh, that was endorsing the Medicaid expansion. Um, obviously, his involvement in the medical community, I'm sure, you know, obviously influenced that belief significantly. But he's also, you know, uh, he's one of the most conservative people I know. And I didn't hear very many conservatives um, endorsing Medicaid expansion. So that was a very interesting, very interesting thing. And, yeah, for him to say it'll work as long as it's done right. Oof. <laughs> That can get, uh, yeah, that yeah, can. That's not too, too comforting. Yeah, if you missed any of that discussion, we also talked a lot about the uh, coronavirus vaccine timeline and just kind of where we are with the uh, with the virus 
Um, great information from Doc. You can always download our podcast if you missed that. You can get our podcast uh, just about anywhere you get podcasts, but I always recommend the Radio.com app because the Radio.com app is free. And once you download it, you favorite the radio station, and you have one-stop shopping for everything here at 97.1 FM Talk. You can stream the station 24-7 no matter where you're at. You can rewind live radio up to 24 hours, and you can download the podcast of this and every other show on the station. So great way to uh, keep up with us and make sure you don't miss anything. One of the things we talked about with Doc was the um, was the vaccine, and he was mentioning that you know a lot of people are saying that they won't take the vaccine when it first comes out. Um, I was curious where you guys stand on that, uh, Chris. Are you nervous about being first in line to uh, take a to get a shot to get a vaccine for something like that, or or are you uh, are you somebody that would want to do that? Look, I don't disparage anyone for taking the vaccine or not taking the vaccine. Me personally, I would not take the vaccine. Vaccine, I don't take flu shots. But again, I don't disparage really? anyone from doing it. I think it was very irresponsible this week when Kamala Harris and some other Democrats were saying that they weren't would they wouldn't take the vaccine because they felt that Donald Trump was rushing it to market for political reasons. I think that's very irresponsible. Yeah, I completely agree. What about you, Frank? You uh. Vaccine guy? No concerns about it at all. Yeah, I'm the same way. I'm 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 doing it for you and me and Chris. I'm yeah. doing it for my wife. I'm doing it for all the kids she teaches. I'm doing it for my son. I'm doing it for my mom. I'm doing it for my in-laws. Absolutely, because I don't want there to be a chance that I give it to any of them. And if this is a way that, through science, yeah. we can help yeah. make this country better and get us all back open and get us all back working and get us all back in offices and being able to go to Disney without masks on <laughs> and being able to go out to restaurants and feel 110% comfortable like we used to be if it's this shot that will have been tested beyond belief. Beyond yeah. belief. Yeah. Well, like Doc said, yeah. like Doc so, said, he's, they're not going to. They're not going to let a vaccine get out, you know, now and make things worse or not work after how politically scrutinized the whole exactly. coronavirus situation and, has and been. And we all know that the first round of some of these things is not the end round. Right. The, you know, so I mean, there's there's going to be advancements. There's going to be more knowledge learned each and every year, each and every day, each and every moment as we research this, this disease. So yeah. that first round of, of vaccines will not be the right. silver bullet. Right. However, it, it's going to be that starting point to get us to more towards that that silver bullet, get us more towards actually getting us back to normal so we can all go back to work and actually there, there'll be people back in this building. Yep. Go ahead, Chris. You know, science in the CDC, CDC says you have a 1 in 19 million chance of contracting COVID and dying from it. Mm-hmm. Science also says that 85% of the people that are dying from COVID are 80 years old or over. So I think the majority of people are not senior citizens. I think this is the fear of this has been vastly overblown. I think if we should have wanted to quarantine people, it should be older citizens, but society should be opened up. Use your hand sanitizer, put on a mask, go live your life. For me, it's more for me, I I will take the vaccine as soon as I as soon as I can. And and for me, it's more like the flu vaccine. I I just don't I don't want to get sick and I don't want to make my kids sick. I don't necessarily I agree with all of the things you just said, Chris. I I think that some uh, a lot of what we have done has been an overreaction. Um, but I still don't want to get sick with the flu. I don't think 
coronavirus is going to kill me or my kids if I if we get it. I mean, I know that that's a possibility, but I just don't want to get sick and I don't want to spread sickness to my kids. So that for me is why I would be the one. Uh, I, I would definitely take the vaccine. Um, the only problem right the with 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 that set of analysis is that we don't know what the long term effects are from this virus. It's not necessarily death. It's neurological diseases. It's attacking the brain. It's attacking heart muscle. So it's not a you have it, you get over it because you're young and healthy. You, you didn't die. Yeah, you don't know the long term. The long term effects. We're six months in. We don't know long-term effects, but we're already starting to see some of those long-term effects. So only looking at death rates is not the true picture of what this virus does. Yep. Chris, you, you mentioned— you always find a bunch of factors to scare people and make something worse. I'm not trying—I'm not coming people. up with, 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 with fear. I'm looking at research. I'm it looking fearful, at— Frank. You're saying, oh, you could get—you may not die from this— but you may have neurological or you no. may have these problems. What I'm saying so is we is don't know. We think. And, and it is frankly. worse. It, it is worse than, than we think because it's not just the flu. And the end result is not just death or not death. Well, we don't know if it's worse than we think. We don't know everything yet. Well, it, it is. It is not. It is worse. Depends than on the what flu. you think. Everybody thinks a different thing. So some people may. Think you don't necessarily sure, you but know. you don't necessarily have long-term neurological problems or heart problems from the flu. So what's I the would, science on that, Frank? For people that are having long time. To I'll let him. Back. I'll let him send you the study because I want right. to. I want to. I want to move on I here. I need to see. I need I, to see the science. Yeah, I want to. I want to. I want to move on and make another point uh, on something that you had just mentioned, Chris, about um, uh, about using this politically, about using the vaccine and and you know using this uh, virus politically. We saw a story this week. Um, out of L.A. I don't know if you guys if you saw this or not, but um, there was a, a voicemail that went out to the teachers and parents and students of the kids in L.A. Uh, County from the public uh, health department there that said we are going to review. We, we will not review um, or consider sending kids back to school. We won't cross that bridge until after the election. What? What does the election have to do with sending kids back to school, Chris? I think part of it is, Tony, and this is I don't know if this is a an actual plan, but a lot of Republicans believe that uh, Democrats in large states like California, New York, other areas are purposely shutting down their their cities and their states so that the economy will be depressed and that it will help and that it will hurt. Donald Trump long term. Yeah. Is that the case? I don't know. But how could that not be get, interpreted but, as wait a minute, but the big yeah. push to get kids back into school is also is because we want them learning and the social interaction, but it's also so parents can go back to work and don't have to watch their kids. That's, well I, I got I can tell part you of it as well. I'll tell you firsthand, firsthand, virtual learning is not working for my kids. And my, I heard that. I just read that today that it that it's not. My my oldest is a senior in high school. She's already, you know, got enough credits to graduate. She's already been accepted to college. She's fine. So she's doing her virtual classes. No big deal. This is senior year for my, her. She's yeah. she's floating along. My my ten year old. <laughs> yeah, my ten year old though. My fourth grader is she has some she has some learning issues. She has some focus issues and. 
things like that, she's getting nothing, nothing from virtual learning. First of all, not just not just the process, but you know, if anything goes wrong, you know, your 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 uh, system lags in any way, they get behind. She doesn't know, you know. There's a there's a a skip in the um, in the connection, and it's right when the teacher said to turn to page fifty three, and she doesn't hear it, and now she's lost. Like there's just been, I could go on and on about the complications of virtual learning uh, that we have experienced firsthand in our house, and and when I hear a public health official say, well, we're not going to talk about sending kids back to school until after the election. And making it all about politics. Look, if it's not safe to go back to school, then that's a discussion that we can have. I'm not sure that I agree with that, but that's a discussion we can have. But when you put the election timeline on it and you're just blatantly tying politics into and and for the reasons that you just illustrated, Chris, to keep kids out of school, to keep things shut down, to keep stress on the American family so people you know, in the Democrats' eyes, hopefully blame all that on Trump. It's it's disgusting. I, I can't believe that they— <laughs> Welcome to 2020 politics. I know. I, it, it's, it, it's, it's just—it's it's unbelievable to me. And I, and I watch—look, there's plenty of things to attack this president on. But when I—Joe is finally getting out there and, and talking a little bit more and, and, and doing some more rallies and blaming the, blaming the job loss— and the economy and all of this on the president, like saying things like I, one of the sentences I heard him say this week was uh, Donald Donald Trump took one of the uh, longest economic upturns of all time and drove it right into the dirt. No, no, he didn't. <laughs> no, he didn't. And their entire argument is the president didn't take action quick enough. But of course, but at the Donald same Trump time, they blame him for the from China back in January. And then you see these these videotapes and audio tapes of Nancy Pelosi in February, late February, saying, come down to Chinatown. Everything's great. Or you see other or you see Joe Biden saying that this virus is not so bad and that there shouldn't be a panic. He called I mean, Trump xenophobic. One of their main arguments is that the president was slow to action, and that's why the country is in the bad shape that it's Joe in. Joe Biden called Trump xenophobic when he did when he instated the China travel ban. Yeah. And, and now like, and that he says in, that he didn't February, act fast enough. In February, he said, you know, uh, about China. But, yeah, but like I said, you there's— there's things that you can focus on when it comes to this president, but don't talk to me. Don't act like I'm so dumb that that I that it's it was the president's policies that it it was it was the president's approach that wrecked the economy and 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 caused all the unemployment. When I know it, that this happened because of a pandemic. But, Tony, what you have to recognize is, first of all, the Democrats' message is not to you. The Democrats' message is to their voters who, Does it are, work? who, who, are, who vote on emotionalism and think on emotionalism. So if they can say that Donald Trump is killing people because he didn't act quick enough, that appeals to them. But that argument's not going to appeal to me and you. Does it work? Does it work on the people that it's supposed to, to work voters? on? Yeah, yeah, it works. Does Especially it work? When you have Trump derangement syndrome anyway. Does yeah. it? Does it get any extra voter? Does it? Does anybody fall for that? Somebody that's not, uh, you know, not necessarily a Trump voter, but also not necessarily a Biden voter. 
those the the elusive uh, the, the 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 moderates that we all talk about so often are any of them fooled by that approach? I don't think so. Once they once Republicans in the campaign make the the case that Donald Trump shut travel down from China back in uh, in January, but you had Democratic leaders in late February, a month later, were saying everything is fine. So I think it shows the contradiction in their argument, and I don't think it will have the impact that they think it will. Yeah, it's I, I just yeah, it's just so it's just so disingenuous when they when they act like that uh, uh, that we're not shut down because of a pandemic, we're shut down because of uh, because of of the president's actions. The Democrats are appealing to people that vote every four years. Yeah, I, I just want to engage. They are so just, you can they, attract them with emotionalism. It just seems awfully head patty to me. You know what I mean? Condescending. Yep. Like you really think that we're you really think that I'm gonna fall for that? Somebody I heard somebody say we only have a few seconds left, but I heard somebody say um, that the, the the president's not um, he's not even a real conservative because he did this big bailout and that's and that's basically socialism. He what? He if he wouldn't have done the bailout, what have, what would you have been saying? Are you are you kidding me? Like there, you, you, when you turn off the economy, which many people didn't want to do. You have to do that. I mean, I, I, I couldn't believe it. Like he get he gets, he gets criticized for doing the bailout. He obviously would have gotten criticized for not doing the bailout. Whatever. All right, we got to take a break. There's plenty more to talk about. Got a whole nother second hour of the Weekend Report coming up. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Weekend Report on 97.1 FM Talk. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. It's time for your favorite show. The Weekend Report is on the radio. That is right, Perry Woods. The Weekend Report is on your radio. It is hour number two of The Weekend Report. You missed anything in that first hour, download the podcast or rewind the radio. If you're listening on the Radio Rewind or the Radio.com app, you can get our podcast uh, anywhere you get podcasts, but the Radio.com app is the best place to do so because you can stream the station 24-7. As I mentioned, you can rewind live radio and you can download the podcast of this and every other show on the station on the Radio.com app. So if you miss anything from that first hour, go and check it out. Tony Colombo here in studio with producer Frank Ladd and my partner Chris Arps is connected via the marvel of modern technology as we continue to practice Proper social distancing here on the show. Uh, Chris, good first hour there. It was a good first hour. Always good to talk to Randy Tobler and uh, get his views. 
Absolutely. Medicine and politics. So we uh, we're trying to get through as many of the headlines of the week as possible. We still haven't touched on probably the biggest headline of the week uh, when it comes to the world of politics, at least in that is the uh, Bob Woodward book tapes that were released. Um, I think everybody knows what they are. You know, the president talking in, in what was it like March or February about how he knew the uh, strength of this virus and he admitted to Bob Woodward that he was playing it down because he didn't want to create a panic. Um, what was your reaction when you when you heard these tapes and you saw this story, Chris? Well, Tony, it's the same reaction I have every time Bob Woodward does a book about a president. My thought is, why in the hell are you doing a book, sitting down doing an interview with with Bob Woodward? No kidding. First of all, I think this is old news. I don't think it's very effective, or I think don't think it's going to hurt the president. I mean, his argument that I didn't want to panic people was plausible to me. I mean, he is the leader of the country. He can't go out there saying this is bad. And I think the Republicans have a pretty good argument also when they say if this was so bad, why did uh, Woodward sit on this for all all of this time? If yeah. it was a detriment to the public, why didn't he get out there? I think Bob Woodward's just selling books. And I think uh, his book, along with Cohen's book and all these other books, his niece books, uh, are not coincidentally coming out right before the election. Yeah, he didn't seem to Woodward didn't seem to either think that all the way out, or maybe he just didn't expect any backlash to be turned on him. But yeah, if you're going to release these tapes and you're going to make the case that the president put the country in in danger by downplaying the information about the virus, and you knew at the time and had the tapes at the time— if it's so important to the health of the American people, don't you need to put that out right then and there? I mean, he obviously sat on it for four months because, like you said, Chris, he just he knew that it would be a good hook to help sell the book. So it can't, it must yeah, not I be think that they just important. Made the calculation that yeah, even if he is, if he is criticized at you know saying why did you sit on this, it's still out there in the public domain and people are going to talk about it and make a decision on it, right or wrong, what the president did. So I think the main focus is just to get it out there and Bob will take the arrows if he yeah. has to. But the important thing, the most important objective is to bring down the president. Uh, for me, you know, Anthony Fauci, I don't know where you stand on on Dr. Fauci, but I I, I like Dr. Fauci. I like to hear because him talk. Because he's Paisan. I like to hear I like to hear what he has to say. I don't think that he's you know, people accuse him of being political or taking one side and I know a lot of conservatives have taken issue with Anthony Fauci. Um I don't have those issues with him and he said right after these uh, uh tapes came out, he did an interview um and said that he was in those, obviously, in the meetings with the president talking about the virus, and then he was with the president as they would go out and give the press conferences and give the information. And Anthony Fauci said at no time did the president ever distort, in his opinion, or you know hide any information about the—he said everything that we talked about in our private meetings, the president expressed exactly the way that I— told him to or exactly the way is we explained it to him um and he never distorted or or hid anything from the american people in anthony fauci's opinion and that's good enough for me i mean that i he, he he's a guy that was in the room 
he, you know, he's not a Trump sycophant. Fauci is not. Um, so he's not, you know, trying to play one side. And to hear him say that that didn't happen, you know, maybe he said maybe the president was trying to give a calm tone, but he he never hid any information or facts or details from the American people at any time. So I thought that was a, well, a big thing. Well, Tony, some are speculating that maybe the reason that he came to the president's defense is because maybe he was interviewed uh, for the book. And maybe more tidbits or tapes are going to come out uh, where Dr. Fauci is not as kind and as favorable to the president. So maybe it was a little CYA there before uh, something else comes out. Another story that I wanted to uh, touch on this week, I, I hadn't heard this anywhere in the national news. So I I don't know. It, to me, this seems like a kind of a big story, but it, it wasn't covered anywhere. And I don't even know if you've seen this yet, Chris. So I uh, might be getting your uh, fresh reaction to it. Uh, another teacher has been removed from their position after students complained. Uh, this professor at USC, Greg Patton, was uh, teaching his MBA level communications class, and he used a, a Chinese expression that sounds similar to the N word. He was giving examples on how to present information effectively without stuttering or using what he called filler words. He gave an example of how that sounds in different languages. He pointed out in English that crutch words are uh, uh, or er, er, the uh thing I am terribly guilty of. I will listen to myself on the radio sometimes and it'll make me crazy how many times I uh, uh. So, you know, this is what he's talking about. And then he gives an example in Chinese and he said in Chinese that the the Chinese word is that and that the Chinese people will say that, that, that. And but then he pronounced it in Chinese and the Chinese word not exactly, but similar to the N-word. And so uh, some students complained. They said that their mental health has been affected by this teacher giving this, uh, you know, teaching this class and using that example. I don't even think the teacher, I've, I've seen the clip. I don't even think he even realizes that it's, you know, anything. And... He's now been removed from his position. Have you, have you seen that story, Chris? And if not, uh, well, either way, I'd love to get your reaction to it. No, I haven't seen the story, Tony. But to me, this just points to Michael Savage's book from about 15 years ago that says liberalism is a mental disorder. And I think the this is another example of just the snowflake cancel culture. The people that we are educating in these universities scare me that one day these people are going to uh, be in charge of our country. They are the true fascists. They're the ones that want to shut down speech in the name of, of fairness. And uh, I'm really afraid for my country. As as a, a black man, if somebody is saying a word in another language that sounds like a derogatory English word, are you – How did, does it – these kids said – their mental health was affected by this Chinese word. Yeah, of, of course not. It wouldn't bother <laughs> me in the least. Snowflake I, I recommend culture, everybody I go out and watch the attention. video. I don't know if they're looking for a lawsuit. I don't know, but it's just it's just silly.
yeah, I recommend everybody go out and uh, and and watch the video for yourself and and see what you think. Uh, here's another story that uh, another a piece of information that was released from a study this week that I find shocking. More than half of people under the age of thirty now live with their parents, and this is the highest percentage of young adults living at home since. Since this stat was recorded, Uh, it's a new uh, report from the Pew Research Center found a majority of young adults, which are people between the ages of 18 and 29, now live with one or both of their parents. It's 52% of people between 18 and 29 live at home. It's the most ever recorded, uh, obviously, loss of jobs during the pandemic is the biggest reason why. The second highest number ever recorded was 48%, and that was during the Great Depression. 52%, Chris, of young adults, people under the age of 30, live with their parents. That is, that's crazy. A majority, a majority. What else do you expect when you spend $100,000 for four years to get an environmental studies or a women's studies degree? Uh, You're probably not going to have very good job prospects. And I also think, too, Tony, Obamacare has added to uh, the incentive for these kids to stay at home. Mm. Remember, if you stay in your age, stay uh, stay at home uh, until or a certain age, you can still stay on your parents insurance. So I think that may be a part of it, too. As I said, this millennial Generation Z uh, generation, they scare me to death that one day these are going to be our leaders and they're supposed to take care of us in our uh, old age. Trump uh, announced a new list, an updated list of possible Supreme Court justices that he would nominate if um, you know he gets that opportunity again. Uh, some interesting names on the list, Senator Ted Cruz and Senator Josh Hawley from the state mm-hmm. of Missouri. Um, and there was another Missourian, I think, a circuit right. court there was. judge yes. uh, was also on that list. What do you let's um, let's start Josh with Holly? Yeah, let's start with Holly. What do you think? What do you think of the? Uh, of, I I was shocked. I didn't know that Josh Holly was. Ted Cruz has been talked about before when it comes to something like that. Josh well, Holly to me seemed to come Josh out of nowhere. Holley, Josh Holly argued a case before the Supreme Court. That's how he got notoriety about the Hobby Lobby case. Mm-hmm. So that's how he gained some fame. Um, he said on Thursday that he really he was flattered, but he didn't really have any interest in that. I think the same with Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz he said the same thing about being a senator, about as a Supreme Court justice. Um, Ted Cruz is a young man. Um, when you go on the Supreme Court, that's pretty much the end of your career. And so I don't. I think Ted Cruz still wants to be president one day. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think he has any uh, interest uh, of being a Supreme Court justice either. As a political strategist, which uh, you are of among the best. Um, oh, thank you, Tom. You're welcome. Uh, what do you think of the idea of releasing the Supreme Court justice list ahead of time? Trump, I, it, as far as I can remember, Trump is the first person to ever do that. He's done in the past, obviously, but I don't remember any president or presidential uh, nominee putting out a list of the people that he, that they would uh, nominate for the Supreme Court, I I actually kind of like it. Uh, what do you think yeah. of it as a political yeah. move? 
Yeah, I think it's a good political political move. One is it puts the Biden team on defensive. So, you know, he's already asking for him to put out his list. Uh, the Trump campaign's two themes are going to be law and order and kind of a culture war. And so what you do is you put uh, Joe Biden and the Harris-Biden campaign on record of the type of people that they would uh, put on the court. Uh, at a press conference, Trump said, uh, Trump gave, he said that if Democrats came into power, they take away your Second Amendment, um, they would expand abortion, they would e expand all kind of, of liberal ideas. So I, I think it's a good strategy. Um, the NFL kicked off this week. Were you watching? Didn't watch it. Uh, it made a conscious effort. We watched, we've been watched binge watch a new show that we've been watching billionaire so we watch another episode of that oh yeah purposely what's that about uh it's about a hedge fund manager who is unscrupulous and has absolutely no morals and the <laughs> US attorney that is after him frank did you watch uh did you watch any of the nfl are you are you in are you a big football fan to begin with? I am with? not a big football fan to begin with. I was a fan of the St. Louis Rams when they were here. Mm -hmm. I have I, I don't watch football generally. Are you a big Red fan? I, absolutely, a, a, a big Red fan, yeah. but but not a not an NFL league wide fan. I've never been a big college f football fan. Um, I, I caught the first quarter on Thursday evening just for the curiosity of seeing how the game was going to be presented mm -hmm. with a limited audience, with uh, social distancing, all of those sorts of things. Not a big Chiefs fan, not a big yeah. Te Texans fan. It you know it was neat to see the ceremony. They had the trophy there from winning the, the Super Bowl, and the fans were excited. So I watched it more out of curiosity than anything else. Mm -hmm. Other that I wasn't there to watch, watch the game. And right. once the first quarter was over, we put on Property Brothers and watched that. <laughs> there you go. Check out Billionaire, apparently. It's, Property uh... Brothers. Uh, brother brother versus brother, new season. Chris, what do you think about fans being in the stadium at the NFL games? I mean, football is just one of those games where you just have to have fans, I think. I think baseball and hockey, I think those are two games that you can get away with it being relatively quiet. But football needs uh, fans. I, I think, think it's they going all to do. Be really bad this year because ratings are going to be down with all the protesting and the and the stance that the league has taken, and I think it's going to be bad because or it's going to be coupled with hardly any fans in the stands, even though that's because of COVID. But I think those two visuals aren't going to look good. Yep, good stuff. All right, we need to wrap up this segment. Our buddy Skip Weber is going to be joining us in the next segment. We have a brand new weird news challenge. Uh, Carl won last week, I think. Chris, am I right about that? So uh, uh, I no. I so we'll have a new yeah. uh, we'll have a new champion, no matter what, because uh, Frank is going to play Skip and Chris, and it's a brand new, never done before weird news challenge. So don't miss it. It's next on the Weekend Report, ninety seven FM Talk. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.
you know what that music means? The one and only Back. Skip Weber joins us now on the Weekend Report. Got a weird news challenge coming up here in just a minute. But uh, first, got to say hi to Skip. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on, Chris. Frank is uh, Frank is producing, producing his butt no off right now. I don't know. We got some connection issues. Hold on. He's got to, he's got some connection issues. We got we're gonna play the weird news challenge, but I also want to do one more story with uh, all of you. We got Skip now. All right, good stuff. I'm here. Skip, did you hear your song? I did not. Well, turn about turn it up. Here we go. Yeah. You lose a good day. We don't usually go this long with the song. It's good stuff. Need a good rum drink now. <laughs> That's right. Uh, great music of Perry Woods, who, of course, is the soundtrack of the weekend. Report, download his music on iTunes, Amazon, anywhere you download music. And if you don't download Perry Woods' music, download another local band. And always what, Chris? Support local music support and spay local music. pet. Just stop. Just cut it off. It's support local music. Oh, okay. Sorry. Skip Weber joins us on the phone now. Skip, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Good, good. Uh, so we've been running through a, a bunch of stories, going through, trying to get through all the headlines of the week, you know, all show long. We also talked to Dr. Randy Tobler in the first hour. If you missed any of that, especially that discussion with uh, Doc, because we talked about a coronavirus vaccine timeline and just kind of where we are with this virus uh, got great information from Dr. Tobler. Don't forget about our podcast. If you missed that or you just want to hear it again, download the podcast. Get our podcast just about anywhere you get podcasts, but radio.com app is the best place to do so, in my opinion. Download the app, favorite the radio station, then you can stream the station 24-7. You can rewind the station with Rewind Live Radio and uh, get the podcast of this and every other show on the station right there, radio.com app. So anyway, we've been trying to fly through all these headlines of the week. Before we get into this week's Weird News Challenge, which is a special edition and something we've never done before, so it's going to be good. Hang in there for that. I wanted to do one more story uh, with uh, Skip on the phone here. I want to get everybody's opinion on this. Uh, a 19-year-old guy named Noah Willie just shared <laughs> a trick on his TikTok for getting free food all year long. Noah set up an email address. He set up 365 different email addresses, and he uses them... Uh, to, and he lists a different birthday on every one of his email addresses, <laughs> and he really? signs oh up. He signs up for every restaurant that offers a birthday deal. So, really? for example, on January first, uh, Applebee's thinks it's his birthday and sends him a coupon for a free entree. On January second. Arby's thinks it's his birthday and sends him a coupon for a free meal and so on and so on. He has this big spreadsheet that he has to keep it all straight. And he says he gets 365 days worth of free food using this system. Not anymore, dummy. You shouldn't have put it on <laughs> right. TikTok, right? Put... So I want to know from you guys, Skip, is is Noah Willie brilliant or is he the most unethical person you've ever heard? Well, it depends upon <laughs> or is he, what he, does or is he both? <laughs> it depends upon what he does with that. A little bit of both. He eats he it. He in. eats the food. Usually, <laughs> you know, usually, okay, every free meal I've ever gotten 
for my birthday. There's a couple of places that do it. There's a long way from free. Right. There's always some exclusions. You know, we'll go if it's a nice place, we'll get a bottle of wine with it. That's excluded. We always leave a nice tip because we were eating for free anyway. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So if he does that kind of stuff, and this and the and the server gets gets a nice tip, and uh, and maybe he does some uh, some of the exclusion stuff, so the restaurant makes and a he's little, still spending some money at the yeah yeah. Then then I don't consider it unethical at all because uh, he's helping the server at the very least. Well, not, maybe it's a little bit unethical, but <laughs> but uh, well and. You know, and if you do that for dinner, then yeah, you still got to eat. Don't know. Yeah, you still got to eat breakfast still and eat lunch. Lunch and breakfast, yeah. So seems like an then, awful lot of work. I get it, free food yeah. every day, but dang. Well, it's it's like those the, those guys that, that that work really hard to get free airline tickets. You've put in so much effort to get these free flights, and and you're like flying to to an airport just to get on a different plane to go to this place and come back here. Yeah. It just ends up being more of a hobby. Yeah. Than than a, a, an right. actual benefit, and I yeah, I wonder if I all know, the time my, and my work. question is so so say Applebee's. You said that you know March third, Applebee's yeah. thinks it's his birthday. Right? Does he? Uh, is that the only day Applebee's thinks, or does he have another email account with maybe a the different way I name or the something? way I understand the story is he's got it. Yeah, a different. Yeah, that, so he's got to have three hundred and sixty-five different restaurants and three hundred sixty-five different emails. <laughs> Isn't there? Oh, I don't a... hear about that. That's easy. But the 365 right. restaurants. Yeah. Right. Know, How do you find 365? Oh, man, I, yeah. I want to Good go point. to Longhorn Steakhouse. Oh no, I can't go there for another seven months. Good point. Good now, point. Now, isn't there an, an Applebee's right across the street from Weber Chevrolet out there on Olive? There you go. Yeah. Tell there me it's is. my birthday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here's what I, we're going to do. I think this yeah. guy. You know, we're joking about it, but I think he could potentially face like mail or wire fraud charges. You know what? That's a good I mean, point. You got to go through the internet to do this, and that's mail mail fraud, wire that's good, fraud. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, maybe so, he's yeah, maybe that's he's, true. But, but are on... you saying are you saying that if you did it once, if you did it once and lied at what your birthday was, let's say you didn't do three hundred sixty five, but you just said, you know what? Um, you know, my birthday was two weeks ago, and I want to try to get a free meal right. out of, out of you know, uh, whatever bandanas. I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, do a free birthday, and I'm just gonna tell them my birthday is October first. Now, and you do do that once. Is that the same? I mean, that's the same thing then. So that would be but, meal. But, but, but I think the difference, though, Skip. I think the difference is this guy's doing this with all these restaurants, and that's fraud. Yeah. And those meals add up. Yeah, I, I think mean, doing it. You, you're to talking answer, a couple, two, three thousand dollars worth of meals. To answer Skip's question, it probably yeah. In Chris's it, Chris's analogy, it is illegal to do it once, but probably not something that anybody's going to pursue. But just the fact that he's right. done it so many times. But here we got to get into this. Like so, every restaurant is only getting built out of one meal a year. That's a good point. That's a good point. So any individual restaurant probably waves that off. I don't right. know. Well, all right, so here we go, Frank. When you were out last week, um, Carl won on a QMD. It was 2020 trivia, okay. and I asked a question about uh, Bob Bankin and where he was from, and of course the answer is Saint Anne. And uh, as soon as I you asked already the question, did that question, Chris and Skip said, "You've done this question before. Check the records." I went and checked the records, and of course, Skip and Chris with their uh, great memories. Sure. We're, we're right. I did do that question before, so I repeated the question. It was the first time we ever repeated a question. Um, so what I decided to do for this week, 
is every question is a repeated is question. a repeated question oh, wow. from okay. a different game throughout the ages of the Weird News <laughs> Challenge. So these are these are all questions that have been asked before, and I some of them and are, not necessarily this year. No, some of them are from recent games, and some of them are from way back at the beginning. So what what do you have here? We have. Six questions in the regular game, and of course we have a tiebreaker, and we have a QMD. So we have everything that we would normally have, and these are all questions that we have asked before. Uh, before we get started, test the buzzers. Chris Arps. <laughs> Skip <laughs> Weber. <laughs> Frank Ladd. Frank. There it is. And you can uh, play along I think you were trying to be clever with this game, but I also think you were just trying, you were being lazy. Yeah, no, that, yeah. he had to go back into his <laughs> files to pull up these questions. So I think there was actually more work. You know what? No. I did going into Don't it. I was that. doing it kind of lazy, and then it did turn <laughs> into more work because I wanted to find like perfect questions. And yeah. So anyway, yeah, right. so this is episode eighty-nine. I'm going to ask the question. The guys are going to buzz in. Katie Fitzpatrick rule not in effect, so you can buzz in anytime you like. If you get the answer right, you get the point. If you get it wrong, you don't lose anything because we encourage participation here at the Weird News Challenge. This is episode eighty-nine. Question number one. These are all repeated questions from previous episodes of the Weird News Challenge. Number one. This is from episode 78. Again, this we're playing episode 89 to give you a little bit of the timeline there. This question is from episode 78, which aired late this spring. An insect native to Asia has made its way to the U.S. and it's Frank. getting... Frank. Frank. Murder hornet. That is correct. That is correct, Frank. And I need to make a scoreboard, Frank. Skip. Chris and Frank is on the board with point number one. Uh, the rest of the question was it's uh, getting a lot of attention probably because of its scary moniker. What is this insect called? And Frank was right. It is called a murder hornet. Question number two. This is from episode 72, which was this year's Daylight Savings Time episode. For one point each, what are the two states that don't ding, 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 ding. skip Weber? <laughs> Indiana and Arizona. I, Indiana is wrong, and that was the first thing you said, so I cannot give oh. you any points. Frank? Any, yeah, Frank. Arizona? Arizona's one. <laughs> really? <laughs> Except I actually did know that Arizona was one. Um, is the other one Hawaii? Hawaii is the other one. Oh, yes. so Indiana stopped doing it. I think Indiana, I, I think parts Indiana's of Indiana like does. Yeah, weirdly. parts of it, the state do and parts of the state don't. But the entire state of Arizona, of Arizona and the entire state of Hawaii do not observe daylight savings time. Question number three. This one is from episode 59, which aired in November-ish, probably, of last year. People Magazine revealed... This week, their sexiest man alive. Who was it? Chris Arps. Chris Arps. Chris Arps. <laughs> no, no, seriously, go, Chris. Is it? Do you have a real answer? That's my answer. It is incorrect. Funny, oh. but incorrect. <laughs> People Magazine's sexiest man alive. Who was Frank. it? Frank. Frank. Matthew McConaughey. No. No. Skip. Man, we'll I'm trying to remember. Did we... Uh, Last November is a long time ago. Idris Elba. Idris Elba. I don't know. No, John Legend. John Legend was the sexiest man alive. Question number four. This is from episode eight. Over two years ago, this is when the game wasn't even on the regular show. It was a YouTube extra. 
Here we go. A company in L.A. created an all-new version of ketchup. Instead of ketchup being a liquid that you squirt out of a bottle, how do you use it? Frank. Yes. Sliced? Sliced. That is correct. Like cheese. Wow. Or like like cheese slices. Peanut butter and and jelly slices. Remember Mm -hmm. those? Mm Mm-hmm. Slices of ketchup, like slices of cheese. They came in eight. Uh, are packs of eight slices for $10. Ooh. Eight slices you for gotta $10. Like, you got to like ketchup a lot. Uh, yeah, well, and a bottle goes so much further. All right, here we go. Question number five. This is from episode 65, and this was the first ever QMD. Mm-hmm. This is a regular question now, but this was the first ever QMD. Do you remember it? The main ingredient in ketchup has been tomatoes since the early 1800s. Mm. But that's not always been the case. What was the main ingredient in ketchup originally? Uh, this is the and first I, can, I remember ever, we were in the studio. First ever QMD. Yeah. What was the original uh, main ingredient of ketchup? I, I remember what I guessed, but I don't, <laughs> I don't know what it was before. Frank. Uh, Frank, go ahead. We are, we're spelling it wrong. It's spelled catsup, C-A-T-S-U-P, cat. No, incorrect. <laughs> but, a, but a good guess. Uh, Chris or Skip, want to take a shot at it? I can't remember. I can't remember. <clears throat> Skip, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a I'm gonna take a shot at Go it. Go for it. Uh, I'm going to say, oh, what was it? Fish, <laughs> mushrooms, mushrooms, oh, mushrooms right. was That's the original. Right. That's right. Weird. All right, Good Frank job, is gonna Heinz win. Getting Fra- off that. Frank is gonna win this game because this is the last question before the QMD. But everybody, you know, the QMD is still a possibility to steal the game from Frank. Uh, and with this last question, we're gonna set another record. Question number six: What local city is astronaut Bob Bankin? Frank. <laughs> Skip. Saint Anne, Missouri. Is correct. <laughs> and now that question's been asked three times on the Weird News yeah. Challenge. All right, the tiebreaker, had we have needed it, uh, I got from uh, episode 11, which, again, was way back from the beginning, over two years ago. Uh, the question was, a new study looked into when parents stop taking care of their kids and the kids start taking care of the parents. Basically, what age are you when your parents stop taking care of you and you start taking care of them and the age is 49? That would have been the tiebreaker had we needed. Here we go. QMD, question of mass destruction, automatic win, only way to beat Frank in this game. We just heard the first ever QMD, but when we were introduced to this question, there were two names that I considered using for the last question. Obviously, we picked QMD to be the name of this last question. What was the other name that we talked about calling this last question that would be an automatic win? Does anybody remember? What was the other possible name of the QMD? Nobody? Anybody want to take a shot at it? Um... Anybody? Frank. Frank. The winner's circle. No, not the winner's circle. Good guess. How about the, uh, I don't know, last chance question? The million dollar question is what was the other possible name of the QMD. Frank Ladd and his return to the studio has won this episode of the Weird News Challenge. 
Skip, got Man, a couple impressive. minutes. Got a couple minutes left. Skip, what is happening in Weber Chevrolet? Well, you know, we talk about all these vehicles all the time, and we don't really uh, do much specific. But I am going to tell you: watch my website, please. We are all of a sudden getting a ton of Equinoxes in. They're building them all. We asked for a ton. We're going to have by far the most Equinoxes, and these are still 2020s. These are the last of the 2020s. So. If you want that big closeout price, and uh, it didn't they didn't change much in uh, going twenty to twenty one, so um, we still got probably another hundred coming in, but we've got a bunch on our lots. It's going to be kind of our new campaign, selling crossover in St. Louis for a reason. It's really really nice. Check out my website Equinox right now. Great stuff, and of course tonight and every Saturday night, the Saturday evening rock show. Uh, you want to give any uh, information about tonight's show or maybe just remind people how they can keep up with you on social media? So the uh, best way is Saturday Evening Rock Show on Facebook. There's mm-hmm. always a few hints here and there. Uh, every Sunday we recap the previous night's shows, and that, and that stays on there for a few days. So if you want to know, hey, what, what kind of music is he playing, if you don't get the chance to see it, uh, to listen to it. But here's the deal. Mm-hmm. Tonight is... A very fun one. Never done this kind of stuff before. Cool. It's it's very it's similar yet yet different than what we just did on the on the weird news challenge. I like it. Good tease. We'll uh, check it out every Saturday night, nine to eleven, here on ninety seven one FM Talk, the number one music music show on a talk station in the world. Saturday evening rock show with Skip Weber. Skip, thanks a lot, buddy. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, sir. You bet. All right. Thanks, Skip. Got to take another quick break. When we get back, we're going to talk to our friend Mike Richardson. I know a mortgage guy.com. Don't go anywhere. Listening to the Weekend Report on 97.1 FM Talk. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Hello and welcome back to the Weekend Report, 97.1 FM Talk. Tony Colombo here in studio with producer Frank Ladd. And as I mentioned in that last segment, joining us now on the line is one of the great sponsors of this show, uh, Mike Richardson. I know a mortgageguy.com. Um, you guys have probably by now heard me tell my story. I will give the uh, Cliff Notes version of that again in just a moment. Uh, how much Mike has helped me and my family and how much money he has saved us. Uh, but first, I want to say hello, Mike. How's it going, my friend? Great, Johnny. How are you today? Doing good. Doing good. So, uh, yeah, for people that haven't heard my story, I, my wife and I have been talking for at least a year and it was kind of impassive. It would always be like a passing comment when we'd be talking about the house and, you know, maybe a project that we wanted to do, you know, when we built our deck or redid a bathroom or whatever, we would always say to each other, you know, we should probably refinance too. 
and then it wouldn't go anywhere. And we would say, you know, I, we're probably in a pretty good spot to refinance. We should do that. It would probably save us some money. And then it wouldn't go anywhere. And then finally I got the motivation up and I met Mike and um, and got on the phone with him. And, and Christine and I, my wife and I got on the phone with Mike. And 20 minutes later, we had shaved a bunch of years off of our loan, uh, barely like by a, a couple of dollars, literally raised our, our monthly mortgage payment and in the end saved almost $50,000. And it was so fast and easy that we got off the phone and my wife and I were like, why didn't we do this a year ago? Why did we wait so long? Because... It's just amazing uh, that you were able to do that for us. And, you know, taking a couple months off from making a house payment, that's pretty cool, too. Um, but that doesn't hurt either. No, and then that... the next day I showed up on your front porch. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but seriously, you know, like that, I know that's always a big selling point. Like, imagine what you could do with two months of no mortgage payment. And I get why that's a hook and I get why that's a selling point. But for me, um, it, that, you know, that's just icing on the cake. It, the fact that we we saved almost $50,000 in the long run, to me, that's the headline. That's the amazing thing that you did for us and that you can, I'm sure, do for uh, other folks. So uh, for people that haven't heard you on the air with us or haven't heard my story in the past, uh, tell people uh, about yourself and, and how they can get this process started if uh, if they want to. It, it truly is. Just as you said, Tony, is it, it's um, I also do that with the Rick and Tracy, Rick and Tracy Ellis, who yeah. do the other weekend yep, show. Absolutely. Um, do the, I've done their loans as well, and I do make it fast and easy. Uh, it is something that can be done on the phone in a matter of 10 or 15 minutes. People get so busy at some of the big lenders that they forget to call people back. Um, I would say 40% of my business is, is because people are being ignored or they're being told no. Half of my, all of my business is from other people being told, no, we can't get that done for you. Uh, so don't believe the no's. Um, if you have problems, it's not a big deal. It's not about the problem. It's about the solution. Uh, I've been doing this for over 20 years. Uh, I know the guidelines inside and out. Uh, there isn't much I can't get done anymore. Yeah. And I mean, and, and I learned that firsthand. And like I said, we, you know, I kind of knew because we had never, we, we bought the house that we're living in now uh, seven years ago or so and had never refinanced. So I just kind of had a, a feeling that we were probably in a good position to refinance. Um, is is that a real thing? Is are, are people in good positions to refinance? Are most people in a good like would a refinance do good for most people or or is it something that uh only a few people would benefit from well uh, the people the longer you of course you've been in the home like yourselves now we're actually shaving a full eight years off the amount of time that you're paying most people don't realize um that with interest rates as low as they are if you've been in your house for four five six years you can more than likely if you still have mortgage insurance refinance to a shorter term loan, save sometimes as much as you, if not more, shorten the term for about what they're paying right now. And until they actually talk to somebody, they're so gun shy about it. If you call the right people and you can get someone's attention, like myself, you make a phone call to me. If I don't pick up, I'll be back with you in 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, and it's something that can all be done in, in just five or 10 minutes of yeah. your time. And if you're like me and you hate 
you know, a long process. You don't want to spend a bunch of, you know, hours on the phone or going to offices. I mean, I think a lot of people get worried about that. Like, oh, I just don't have time to do this. I, it really, I mean, it was a 20-minute phone call. I, it, I could not believe how fast and easy it was. Uh, just a couple <laughs> minutes left here with Mike Richardson, I know a mortgageguy.com. Uh, of course, Mike, when it comes to, you know, buying a house or refinancing, it's always, and you mentioned it just now, interest rates, that's always the big thing that we talk about. What are, uh, how is it right now? Uh, are interest rates really good? And are we in a window that you think, um you know, like, what's the timeline for to take advantage of the uh, rates if they are good? Well, I, definitely COVID-19 has really taken the wind out of the sails of the economy. And interest rates are at their all-time low or very close. So many people worry about getting to the lowest possible interest rate. And just an example, a $300,000 home on a 15-year note, the difference in a quarter of a point in interest is like 30 or $40 a month. So instead of trying to chase that lowest possible interest rate, take what's available. It's only going to cost you an extra $30, $40, but the amount of savings you have to look at over the life of the loan is by far the most important thing. Yeah, everybody would like to be able to say, I got 1.99, but it, it, it just costs too much. And that's a, so many people are advertising that right now. And just to go up a quarter in interest rate, you're only talking about a $30 more a month payment without paying all of those costs. Yeah. No, it, it knocked us over when we when we found out that we were going to save almost $50,000. And we have a very modest home. You know, so $50,000 is like half the cost of the freaking house. Like, it's incredible right. what you were able uh, to do for us. Uh, almost out of time, Mike. Uh, we're talking to Mike Richardson, uh, who tremendously helped my wife and I with our refinance, saved us, like I said, uh, almost fifty thousand dollars and it just did an incredibly easy fast process if anybody else wants to get started with you mike how how can they get a hold of you you can reach me at 314-607-8551 and mike at i know great stuff mike richardson mike at i know a mortgage uh thanks again for everything that you have done for me and my family and uh everything that you've done uh, supporting the show here mike great to talk with you we'll no talk to you problem. again soon have a great weekend mike. you do the same thank you so much that is mike richardson uh, Mike at I know a mortgage guy.com. If you are thinking about refinancing, uh, give Mike a shot. See if he's the right guy for you. He certainly was for us. That is going to do it for another edition of the Weekend Report. For my partner, Chris Arps, and our producer, Frank Ladd, I am Tony Colombo. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you back here next week for another edition of the Weekend Report on 97.1 FM Talk. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.